Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Change Healthcare Consulting Security Podcast. I'm John Zuziak, Change Healthcare Consulting's Practice Director for IT Risk Management. And today we'll be talking about the Chief Information Security Officer role with my good friend, Stephen Ramirez, Chief Information Security Officer of University of Louisville Health. Stephen, before we get started, can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you, John, and uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Stephen Ramirez, and I am currently the Chief Information Security Officer of UofL Health. We're actually a new-ish organization in the Louisville area that were originally one hospital um, and now have grown to nine sites throughout the area. And prior to coming over to this role, I was with IBM Watson Health doing various Medicare, Medicaid projects, um, as well as working as an appointed CMS information security officer, um, and also worked with McKesson and Change, and then was in the hospital arena prior to that. So a uh, through and through healthcare guy. Fantastic. Uh, and, and that's great information how you've kind of been within you know, the healthcare arena for a while, uh, doing various roles within information security and privacy. Kind of from your perspective, given your history, what really helped you develop into a chief information security officer? Because if, if I remember correctly, this is your first role as a as a CISO. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, at IBM, I was one of our uh, senior leads um, reporting in to the CISO. So yeah, um, and we had various unlimited liability cases, and you know had to go through some pretty fast track CMS. ATO, so, you know, our authority to operate. So definitely baptism by fire and getting those dog ears on the consulting side has really gone a long way, you know, to really ensuring, um, you know, that I had a lot of the, the skill sets to do that. But, you know, to really backtrack a little bit on that, you know, really when I jumped into healthcare, it's really when the Affordable Care Act was starting. So that's when we were initially seeing you know, paradigm shift from moving from paper records to electronic records and just trying to digitalize everything. So it's really the onset of the digital transformation we've seen over the past 10 years um, from that. So really having a strong background, I could really say that I've had a healthcare background all of my life because both my parents are providers. So I've indirectly been involved in healthcare since birth. So being there from when I started in healthcare to understand a paper side of the house, how the operations and then how all of that moves into what we all know now is a digital world in healthcare. You know, spending five years in consulting has really been essential because you really see different organizations, you really see different pain points, and you can put all of that together to give yourself a broad perspective on what works well, what doesn't work well, and then you know, use again that information to kind of build off of to know that not all organizations are the same. And while you know best practices exist, you have to also have agile practices that really you can tailor to each organization. Ah, great point. Great point. It's it's interesting you mentioned in one way or another been involved in healthcare your whole life. I, I come from a similar background. My mother was an, an ER nurse, and actually my wife is a is a registered nurse as well. Um, and I've always found it fascinating within healthcare and, and really that security role within healthcare. Is, you know, you, you have your traditional cybersecurity threats, then you also have the compliance issues come from the different regulations and having to stay on top of those. But then there's also that patient safety component to it. That's just it's fascinating. It's, a, it's a, an amazing challenge because you know you don't want to create controls or issues that could harm a patient some you know down the line. From your perspective, is, has that been a challenge of trying to balance those three of the regulation and the, the cyber threats and then also the, the patient safety impact? Yeah, definitely. It's always um, again in healthcare. It's very unique, as you said that you know in finance or some other 
industry that you know you have a little more wherewithal to flex the compliance muscles and really say that it's very black and white in compliance. But again, in healthcare, since there is patient safety and patient lives at risk, you really need to be more of a complementary service offering. So to always be able to find middle ground that not only ensures the safety and security of the patient, but you know, also to really ensure that you're protecting your IT assets on that. So it's really that coming to a, some middle ground on that, that, you know, really understanding the processes and workflow and then, you know, not being scared to ask others and do your research into what can be done to really ensure that, you know, you're meeting the needs of both parties from a security compliance and patient safety perspective. Yeah, great point. And, and I like that point about, you know, collaboration and, and working with us, others. I, seems to be, I know a lot of other industries do it, but it seems within healthcare, it's it's a very close-knit community. And, and on the security side, I know we have a lot of you know, different meetings with CISOs and just and really everyone within that security field and the healthcare security field. And it's it's just good to understand where they've gone, where others kind of skin their knees and, and learning from there. So that, yeah, I agree with that collaboration piece is critical. With you being new to, to the role and, well, the CISO role, but then also within uh, University of Louisville, because you've been there for about 120 days now, so I guess you're on your fourth month right around there. What was your kind of thoughts coming into it, you know, your initial 90-day plan? Is, was there anything that you knew you wanted to address or tackle, or was it more of kind of waiting to see what the, the risks are and kind of getting your feet and yourself grounded before you started making that plan? So how, how was that transition looking? I was uh, prepping for the worst and hoping for the best, you know, really just diving in that, you know, there's really no books or anything that you can do to really prep on what to expect when you're officially sitting in the chair, because I can tell you from having to completely rebuild my staffing from two to almost seven now, but also to really just, you know, COVID coming in as well, but also, you know, just a lot of, a lot of stuff. You just have to really be chameleon in a sense to really be able to adapt, um, have a lot of the strong principles and concepts in place to really just come in and absorb what the current situation is to see for your first 60, 90, 120 day, and then getting in more of the strategic planning on kind of getting a lay of the land, boiling the ocean per se to see what are the low hanging fruits, what you can address, you know, what are the biggest risks, you know, what do we currently have in place from a security tool set to really get an understanding of your overall security posture, and then seeing how you can start to put the pieces together to start filling in the gaps, looking at strategic initiatives, looking at tools, looking at staffing to really address it from a people process and technology standpoint to see how you can build off of what the groundwork that was there and um, really just ensure the the security of the organization. Excellent. Yeah. And and I like that the the fact that you mentioned you know, having that plan in place, you were hoping for the best, but you know, planning for the worst. And and when you came in, tried to get your, your feet wet and understand the current lay of the land. Um, I, I know Change Healthcare has had a relationship with the University of Louisville uh, hospital for a while. About a year, maybe two years ago, there was a security assessment that was completed for the, the NIST cybersecurity framework uh, maturity assessment. And it was valuable at that time, but was that something that you were able to leverage? I mean, did it kind of help you understand the lay of the land and get this, an idea of what was going on? Were you able to leverage that type of information from from past assessments? Yeah, definitely. And I, I always think, and I, I think, you know, my peers and others in the the industry would agree that if you don't have to recreate the wheel, don't, that it is, um, you know, while an assessment might be two or three years old, it is a good baseline to understanding what issues there are, because you could at least start from there to 
then you know start filling in the gaps on that. So um, yeah, that was definitely a great starting point and a, a great assessment done by the change security team at that point. But you know something I also left off really you know paramount was having virtual CISO support from change team as well to help really help on building day-to-day stuff versus, you know, while I'm trying to build out the strategic side of the house. So I know that that was pretty essential in that. Awesome. So yeah, so that's good to hear that you you saw the value and within your transition, having somebody there to to kind of help add some continuity through it. And one other thing that you mentioned, you know, being agile, myself and kind of my experience in the CISO role, that, that agility is critical, right? You have your plan, but things are thrown at you every day and you have to kind of stay at the working at the pace of the business and, and strate- the organization's strategic direction. But then you get things like, and you mentioned it as well, COVID that comes flying at you. Uh, how have you been able to you know, manage sort of this crisis, the COVID pandemic, along with the, you know, your, your strategy? Now that you kind of have a strategy going, you're starting to build your program. How have you been able to find that balance? I mean, COVID definitely was a um, curveball that I don't think anyone saw coming. Being in healthcare, you know, we're not a standard remote workforce per se. So really that was um, a lot of just doing components on the fly, but also really emphasizing the importance of having a remote strategy as part of your overall business continuity, disaster recovery, and, you know, contingency planning. Because, you know, you really saw that when you're trying to, you know, build in all of the, build your walls up and secure the organization from, you know, the brick and mortar that you can control for the day-to-day operations. And then, you know, you're kind of shifted into taking that outside and expanding your risk attack service surface overall, um, that that was really, you know, eye-opening and really shows not only the importance of IT, but also IT security. And that, again, you're having people remote into different systems. You're having people take work devices home. You know, that's bigger potentially losing, theft, connecting to home internet. Is it secure? You know, really looking at that whole attack service that, you know, you once had and looking at your top risks, like we talked about coming in on day one versus that completely changing overnight to, you know, the whole remote workforce scenario. Excellent. Is is it safe to say that, you know, your organization has now really gone virtual and you're able to to support the the virtual virtual users and, and network? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we sent over 800 people home, which we generally, you know, just, you know, certain players that were able to work remote, you know, in an IT setting and some, you know, different uh, HR and maybe legal, you know, people are able to access email and stuff, but to fully shift components like that for radiologists or pharmacists, you know, that was really the biggest paradigm shift internally to, you know, having that whole way of our day-to-day lives change for, you know, how we're conducting business. And again, you know, there's components in healthcare that will never be able to be fully remote, at least today. You can't take anything off the table with the way AI or robotics are coming into play on different patient care measures. But, you know, we definitely have saw a huge spike in virtual and telehealth and really just had to build tools out on the fly and strategies and just ensure that our security policies and procedures all aligned to kind of that immediate need. And are you seeing like either a change or an increase in threats now that, you know, you have folks remote? I know you're accounting for that risk and, and sort of planning for it, but are you actually seeing increase in, in threats or targeted attacks? Yeah, definitely. And it again, outside of like insider threats, I always think still one of the biggest risks, and we've seen, you know, a, a huge spike in that is phishing, that that's still one of the, yep. the biggest risks that 
you know, that that definitely, you know, puts us more at risk in having our workforce remote. And there's only, again, so much you can do with certain tools on that. So that really goes into the good old fashioned training and awareness to really do that. But there's a lot um, of opportunity for threat actors to come out and start really exploiting COVID and people's fears and, you know, really just kind of diving into that. So that I've definitely seen, you know, an, an uptick in that. And I know that's been across the healthcare industry. And I think really touching on all of their sectors as well to that, but also really just having people remotes, just a, a risk in general changing. Are they locking their devices? Are, you know, they ensuring, you know, the privacy and confidentiality, if they have any kind of patient information up, there's just a lot more moving pieces when somebody's in their house with, as we've seen with COVID, yeah. everyone's in the house at this point, because it's, you know, schools are canceled, husband and wife are there, you know, so it's really, everybody's in your house. So there's more potential for, um, you know, what we're deeming as insider risk, which is generally not a malicious act either, but it's just, you know, if the computer's up and Johnny's home from school and wants to go onto YouTube or another site or clicks on an ad or something like that, that that can really expose your organization. So a lot of these just unknowns um, when somebody's working remote. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, in the past, we could always assume that if, you know, if things were taking place within the four walls of the organization, you could assume those physical security controls are in place. And, you know, we might lighten up some of the, the controls, not necessarily ignore or avoid them, but you could just make some assumptions that compensating controls are in place. But you're right. Now that you're you're remote and the workforce is, is remote, you can't do that anymore. Uh, you know, now it's, we still have to have the same security controls. We still have to meet the same regulations and, and secure against those risks, more vigilant in making sure that, all those security controls and configurations are in place. So that's, a, that's a great point. I, I know I was just reading an article the other day and they said about, there's, they've seen a 600% increase in some regions of phishing attacks related to, uh, or they're relating that to to the pandemic because unfortunately the hackers and, and the bad actors are very opportunistic and they're looking for different ways to exploit our crisis. And that's a, you know, unfortunately it's a great opportunity for them. So we have to continue to be vigilant and and secure against that. Given kind of, you know, all the, the, the issues that you're seeing with, you know, these, these new threats and the challenges you've had with, you know, with the pandemic itself, and, and then also build, building your strategy, you know, where, where do you go from here? Kind of what are some of the, the goals and objectives that you have that might help out, you know, a new, another new CISO, uh, you know, in their plan? Well, again, you know, being adaptive, you know, really just being able to embrace change that we've seen, you know, that is one of the the biggest pieces. And then really make tangible goals too, that, you know, really don't try to be a hero on day one to really make tangible goals, try to address the most risk you can at a time, and then really just build off of that. Don't be afraid to fail. I know in security that, you know, they sometimes feels like it's, you know, make or break. But Again, you know, sometimes if something isn't working or it's impacting the business or just the environment changes, you just have to be able to be adaptive, gather your thoughts and just look at things through another lens to really just address that. So again, just really having a broad background and understanding of, of risk, because again, risk is you know, really the, the key focal point for what you really need to address to ensure that, you know, you have a more secure organization. So really, you know, having a pragmatic approach to that, definitely, you know, keeping in mind compliance as you spoke to, and then also patient care and patient safety to really ensure that you have all those verticals kind of in alignment as you're putting together your strategy. Excellent. And I, I love the fact that you just mentioned, you know, not being afraid to fail. I think 
you know, I, I agree with you. That's especially in IT and then security, it feels like that's always a fear is, is failure. Um, and we take a lot of the stuff personal that's you know, coming at us and breaches sometimes feel that it's, you know, it's our issue um, as opposed to kind of an organizational uh, issue or challenge. So with that, kind of knowing that that's, that exists out there and it's, it's always a challenge for us to, to communicate that, do you have kind of a special way or sort of a secret sauce when it comes to communicating those, those key risks or, or potential issues or incidents to either your VP or even the, the executive team or board of directors? Have you been in a position yet to have, kind of have those conversations? Yes, and it's really about transparency and relating real life examples of risk. Because again, you can be you know, philosophical if, if this happens, if this happens and this happens, you know, you're going to really give somebody what I would deem as like, you know, a little boy who cried wolf in a sense that, you know, they keep hearing this, but they're like, oh, that's not going to happen to us. But really, you know, kind of letting people again, first point to understanding and having a pulse on what the current health check and security postures of the organization. And then saying, well, these are our key risks. And these are examples of how this has happened to a similar organization like ours. Because we see every day in the news that, you know, if it's a phishing attack, a ransomware event, or a breach, or a, you know, mishandling a patient information, that that happens almost every day. You know, it's evident that organizations are still vulnerable and that even as high, if you, you know, build your walls and defenses up, that, you know, it's human error is always going to come into play. So really just having transparency and then kind of relating that to real life examples that we have that, again, I think that's the best way to kind of, you know, level set to say that we don't address this, you know, look what happened to this health system down the street or look what happened over here that this is happening every day. So this is obviously why we're emphasizing the importance of this risk. And, you know, then again, asking for a people process or technology to help remediate that risk. Excellent. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's the, the key word there being risk and risk management. That was when, when Change Healthcare decided to, to form and stand up a security consulting practice, uh, that's where we went. We wanted to focus on, on the risk management side and, you know, really being that impartial third party uh, that can help assess the organization and identify those risks. So, you know, kind of just adds on some credibility for, for uh, the folks in the security team to say, you know, not only, you know, we finding this internal, but also, you know, the third party change healthcare has, has identified this as a risk as well. And, and helping to to establish and build those programs using that, that risk management lens. So, excellent. Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today about the information security officer role. For our listeners, those of you who are on the, the podcast today, don't forget to check out the show notes for links to resources and contact information uh, related to the show. Uh, and stay tuned to Change Healthcare Podcast for more shows covering the enterprise uh, security topics that you care about. And for more information on cybersecurity items such as security assessments, virtual chief information, security officer services, disaster recovery, and business continuity planning, and any other of your healthcare IT topics, uh, please visit changehealthcare.com. Once again, I'm John Zuziak, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. And Stephen, just thank you very much for your, your time again. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.